Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. When you eat the labor of your hands, you shall be happy, and it shall be well with you. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house, your children like olive plants all around, the tab- all around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you out of Zion, and may you see the good of Jerusalem all the days of your life. Yes, may you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this evening as we've even accepted these three uh, young people into our midst, we rejoice uh, in your grace, the good news of the gospel, even as we see evidence of the gospel at work in them, even as they have recounted their testimonies of salvation this evening. We rejoice with them in that. Lord, may we never get tired of hearing those testimonies and of rejoicing in the gospel. And even as we turn our attention to Psalm 128 this evening, encourage our hearts, Lord. Challenge us. Change us for your glory. Use this psalm for your purposes in each and every one of our lives. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. As we come to Psalm 128, you'll notice it is, once again, we are still in the Songs of Ascent. And one of the things you'll note about the Songs of Ascent as we've been working our way through them is the repeated national pride, the repeated focus of the Songs of Ascent. And, and that's just a reminder of their purpose. As the, as the nation is gathering together, as they are making their way to Jerusalem in obedience of what God has expected of Israel, and as they make this journey, this pilgrimage back to Jerusalem, they're confessing these truths, they're singing these songs to one another. There is a very real sense of national pride, and that's represented in many of the Psalms. One other thing that you'll note is just the way several of them have been set up, where it changes from first person to second person, from congregational to personal, from response to proclamation. We see something similar even with this psalm in Psalm 128. You'll note that verses 1 and verse 4 are both a general principle is stated. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. Verse 4, Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. And yet what you'll also notice is that in verses 2 and 3 and verses 5 and 6, it is first person. What you see over and over is you, your, you, you, your, 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 over and over. Personal. The psalmist here and the congregation as they confess these truths, they're taking a general truth and applying it personally to their lives. So the psalm begins, blessed, we're exceedingly happy, blessed is everyone who fears the Lord. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord. And as you read that, maybe your first question is, well, what does it mean to fear the Lord? I'm glad you asked, because that question is answered in the very next line. They are those who walk in his ways. Those who fear the Lord are those who walk in his ways. Or another way to say it is that to fear the Lord is to walk in his way. To fear the Lord is to see God rightly 
And then to walk in his way is therefore to respond appropriately. Having seen who God is, that should elicit a holy fear in us. He is a just and a righteous, a holy God. Passages like Isaiah 6, where we're taken to the throne room of heaven. We see the great power, the greatness of God. Even just Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created. Even Psalm 19, as we looked at on Sunday, looking even out at creation, God has done that. And that creation proclaims his glory. He's a great God. He is worthy of our fear. Yet this fear isn't just a a cowering. It is not a fear that drives us away from God. It is a fear that when rightly understood and applied, causes us, drives us to faithfulness. It is seeing who God is and responding appropriately. Or another way you could put it is your theology has practical implications. When you rightly understand who God is, that will, it must affect your life. I remember very much in my life, you all have heard my testimony, I was saved at a young age. Uh, like even Joseph, I would say that, that much of my life has been kind of a progressive growth. Is that not all of our testimonies? It's not, we're not saved and boom, we get it. Right? We, we understand the basis of the gospel, but then we, we grow from there. And I remember I was growing and, and I got to college and the Lord was really working in me. And I was continuing to grow. And there was a little book I read, The Attributes of God by A.W. Pink. It's a book that is just drenched in scripture. And it is a book that gives you a high view of God. It takes you to scripture over. And I remember reading that book and opening my Bible and going to all the verses that he was referencing. And I was blown away by who God is. That had a huge impact on my life. Because now that I see God rightly, now that I know who he is, that's going to affect what I do. That's exactly what we see here in verse 1. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord and having seen God rightly and fearing the Lord then walks in his ways. In fact, that's what the psalmist goes on to focus on in verse 2, applying that personally then. Those who fear the Lord, those who are walking in his ways. And his point here in verses 2 and 3 is that godly living produces a good life. Now there's important context to understand there. Because if we don't understand the the progressive revelation throughout history, if we don't understand the different dispensations, the difference between Israel and the church, that can be a confusing concept. You see, Psalm 128 is written in the context of Deuteronomy 28. Deuteronomy 28 is a, a passage where God comes... And he gives Israel these promises. He's made this covenant with them. And there are blessings and there are curses. And with this specific covenant that God has made with Israel, if they obey, they are blessed. If they disobey, they are cursed. And so there is a very practical sense in which to Israel, godly living really does produce a good life. As they live as God's people, God will bless them. They will thrive. 
In fact, many of the things mentioned here in Psalm 128, if you turn to Deuteronomy 20, in Psalm 128, if you turn to Deuteronomy 28, they're very similar things. Eating and family blessings. In fact, as you work your way through verses 2 and 3, what you see is, is what is promised here. For the Israelite who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways, what is promised is prosperity in life and prosperity at home. In verse 2, we see abundant food. We see joy. We see good fortune. You eat the labor of your hands. You shall be happy. It shall be well with you. The work of your hands is blessed and you have abundant food. You are filled with joy. You have good fortune. Just generally, it goes well with you because God has blessed you because you fear the Lord and you walk with Him. But not only is there prosperity in life, but verse 3, there's prosperity at home. See, a thriving marriage and a full quiver, even going back to Psalm 127, verses 3 to 5. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house. Your wife will bear lots of children, lots of blessing. It can also symbolize an active and an enjoyable intimacy, a happy, thriving marriage. Why? Because this man fears the Lord and walks in his ways. Not only does it have an effect in his marriage, but even in his parenting, his children, your children, like olive plants. These healthy little shoots that are just shooting up all around your table. You are surrounded by God's blessing in a very vivid sense. As you look at your family sitting all around the table. The idea here is not not only children bringing joy, but even just the practical benefits of having lots of kids, as we saw last week in Psalm 127, the benefits of of help with work around the house, the benefits uh, back in that day especially of protection from enemies, from help at work, a good reputation in the gates, as we saw in 127. So what you see here in verses 2 and 3 is present blessing. For everyone who fears the Lord and walks in his ways. Then in case you're, you're, you kind of got lost between verse 1 and verse 3 and you're wondering, well, who is this man? Verse 4 clarifies it. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. Who is this? This is the man who fears the Lord, the man who walks in his ways. God is blessing him. And verses 5 and 6 is really a prayer for future blessing. Lord, keep blessing Keep being faithful and doing what you've said. Verse 5 goes on. The Lord bless you out of Zion. That's really Jerusalem. That's the specific hill where the temple, or the tabernacle is there. God's dwelling place on, Lord, on earth. God bless you from there. May you see the good of Jerusalem. The blessing of peace. May you see that all the days of your life May you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. Here the blessing going forward is may we continue to see peace in Jerusalem. May we continue to see my family thriving, not just to this generation, but to the next generation. May I glory in that. In fact, you'll note 
just generally in this psalm, the movement from personal blessing to national blessing, or to family blessing, to, to national blessing. Peace be upon Israel, the psalmists. And one commentator, Daniel Estes, noted this. The movement from the individual outward indicates that one life planted in godliness yields a bountiful harvest of blessing to others. One life planted in godliness yields a bountiful harvest of blessing to others. Not only is there the principle in this psalm for Israel of obedience, yielding blessing from God, but there's also the general principle that a thriving nation for Israel must be made up of faithful citizens. Not only do you have responsibility to your family, but you have a responsibility to your nation. We must all be those who fear the Lord and to walk in his way so that Israel may be blessed. Now, a couple points of application. Because we're not Israel. We don't have the promise of blessings and curses from, from Deuteronomy 28. We have plenty of other promises of God in the New Testament for us. But I think even in a psalm like this, I think there's still application for us. Number one, note this, that God delights in blessing his people. God delights in blessing his people. But that's important to see. Because like I said at the very beginning, what you think of God, your view of God, will affect your life. And if you see God as a grumpy old man, that's going to affect the way you live. It's going to affect the way that you react. But when you see that the testimony of Scripture is that God loves to bless his people, that God is a God who loves to pour out his mercy and his grace upon his people. When you see God in that light, it changes everything. Brothers and sisters, your God is not a stingy God. He's a God who delights, who loves, and blessings people. Secondly, I think there is another general principle in this going back even to the beginning and along those same lines, but the foundation of a faithful life is a right view of God. You have to view God rightly if you're going to live right. See God rightly through the lens of Scripture and let that motivate your faithfulness. Let that fuel you as you strive to be faithful. Theology does matter. There's people who will, today, you'll hear this sometimes different places. Well, you know, I don't worry about theology. I just worry about loving God and loving people. Well, the next question is, well, then who's God? Because your answer to that question is theology. It matters what you think about God. Theology matters. So view God rightly through the lens of Scripture. And along those same lines, then, the, the final kind of application, just generally taken from a passage like this, is that the reality is that the right way to live life is God's way. The right way to live life is God's way. We may not have the specific promises of 
blessings of, of food and, and all these things as, as Deuteronomy 28 gives to Israel, but we have a general principle in Scripture. The best way to live life is God's way. So submit to Him and be faithful. As you see Him rightly, respond to that appropriately. See God as He is. Be faithful. Know that He's a God who delights in blessing His people because the best way to live life is God's way. And I pray that that would be a challenge to us, a reminder. I think that these aren't new things. These are all things that we're aware of, things that we know. But still, it's good for us to be reminded of these things. And so may the Lord use that in each and every one of our lives this week.